Welcome to the Blue Bloods Podcast. A college game time production. Quarterback draw. He's got a running room and a first down. Watch out. He's got getaway speed. Touchdown. That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time. A couple of blue bloods out competing. College game day Saturdays. Big time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend full of back to back games. Just me and my friends. Man, I love college. College football. I love March Madness. Man, I love college. All right, all right. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Bloods Podcast. Thank you if you're watching on YouTube right now. Go ahead and hit that subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, do the same. Leave us a rate, a review, five-star review. We've got a very special guest with us today. It's my man, Jonathan Scott. He is a former NFL veteran, spent 10 years as a staple offensive lineman in the league, was a Texas Longhorn, and not just any Texas Longhorn. He won a national championship at the University of Texas. And I say, Jay Scott, that, that's pretty special to me because there's not a lot of Longhorns walking around that could say they're national champions right now. So, like, you're in a very, like, small group. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, talk to right. me. Right. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's definitely a pleasure, you know. Um, you know, if you get a chance, check out 05 on a Longhorn Network. Give you a little mm. background of, you know, what it was, you know, that journey winning that national championship. But um, at the end of the day, man, it was a it was a heck of a journey, man. I got some moments and memories that you know they can never be taken away from me. So uh, I'm glad to say I'm one of the few. Yeah, especially yeah, yeah. Longhorn, Longhorn history. Yeah. Well, well, we're gonna get into that. Um, I do want to ask though, in your opinion, national mm-hmm. champion, UT alum, like what's going on with the Longhorns? Like I have gone, I have not been shy about my opinion and my take. Um, they're still recruiting at a high level. And we're going to talk about the recruiting classes that you were a part of and, and how much talent came in. But the difference from, I would say, your era to the era today is it seems like the guys that came in when you were coming in got developed, they got drafted, won Rose Bowls, <laughs> won national championships. Now it's like you've got the same caliber guys coming in out of high school. But I made a joke. Arkansas basketball had more guys sign into the league than Texas football this past draft. And so that's where I'm like, what's going on in Austin? What's your opinion on it? <clears throat> you know what? So I'll try to, you know, give them a little favor, right? Okay. Okay. You know what I think? I think what it is is that we got to recognize that we're in a new, we're just in a different generation, literally. Mm. Like it's just a different generation of, you know, athlete, you know, um, you know, just think about it. Like my dad used to always say, "Y'all, yeah, you know, back in my day, we used to right. we used to walk in the snow barefooted, fifteen miles every day to school." You know, so you know, it's so it's it's that component of grit mm-hmm. that I think that may be missing or may, uh, my you know, it's probably not as present as it was you you know, in your fifteen era. years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, what I think it is is, um. You know, they got to find, you know, Texas got to find their tribe. You know, mm-hmm. they got to find who who are the ones who really want it, right? Now, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more than sure that um, um, there are some some guys there 
that that can play at a high level and play at the standard that people are wanting to see. Uh, but it's got to be pulled out of them. I mean, that's that's the whole purpose of being a good coach. Now, mm-hmm. I can definitely say this. Now, this is where I give I give Texas a little flack. Okay, is um, you know, I'm a pretty excellent offensive line coach. Mm. So if you want, if they want, if they want some uh, uh, expertise, mm. they know how to, they know how to get at me. They know mm. exactly what to do. So um, that's just that's my little little tidbit of negativity. But, okay. Uh, other than that, you know, we good. <laughs> well, I'm I'm splicing that. I'm blasting that one on TikTok. I hope Coach Salt <laughs> sees it. I hope he sees yeah. it. So he need yeah. to tap back in with some of the some of the alum that that been there, yeah. done that, been there, done that, and have done it at every level. So mm. I've coached I've coached a little bit on the pro level, uh, collegiate level, and high school level, mm. and played, and as management, and as coaching. So don't tell me I don't know football. Well, <laughs> and, and what what would you hey, and what would you say was the weakest link for that Longhorn team this past season? Um based off this is this is just my like when I went to the Texas OU game last last sure. uh, You don't have to call any player out, but just just Yeah, yeah no. Position what I, you know, what I noticed, this is what I noticed is that um there was moments when the offense line had, you know, were f- forced on being isolated, mm. and there were some 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 key things that OU did that created one on one matchups for offensive linemen. Mm. You know, bringing you know bringing fleet uh, what do you call them dog blitzers or uh, zone dogs things of that nature that um, created uh, mix mix matches. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened was they got a bead on them, right? Um, and with that being said, it forced the you know forced the team. You know what happens is it creates a domino effect, forces the team to get in um, you know difficult situations, third and long situations. Now you, you become one dimensional, and mm. at that point they can just kind of dial it up. You know, depend on your defense. You know, depend on your offense to make explosive plays. And now, now you become even more one-dimensional when the Texas offense got to get back on the field because now it's first and ten, but I got to pass it because I don't have enough time left on the clock. Mm. So what happens is, is when you're not efficient on the small minutia, it forces you to have to get into that 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 uh, low percentage of the playbook. When mm. I say that, I'm talking about the low percentage chance. You know, third and long. Yeah. You know, second second and fifteen. You know your play calling becomes limited, so therefore now, as a a fan or a person, um, you know, watching TV or Monday quarterback, oh yeah, you know, Monday morning quarterback, they're Me. saying like <laughs> they're saying, oh, they're terrible coaching. Eh, it, it's it's a little bit of everything. It's it's a lot that makes that cake a cake happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I just saw that one that one speak piece was when, um. They got forced in situations where it uh, caused them to get into uncomfortable passing mm. and you know down and distance situations that made them one dimensional. Because they came out the you know they came out the gate. I mean, the first play of the game, touchdown. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. You know, those are those are haymakers, right? Yeah. But it's about it's about the jabs, you know, right. settling jabs. in and playing, yeah, settling in. So. 
Um, kudos to o, <clears throat> kudos to OU on that, but um, but you know to give it a positive <laughs> positive outlook is that I think <clears throat> you know there's been some some you know shaking of the uh, of the culture, right? And um, you know I think they you know they just got to squeeze <laughs> they got to squeeze out you know or a little sift out the people who really want to be there. Um, uh, and Hey, and if they, if they would like me to be a part of, you know, Texas football would like me to be a part of, you know, molding the culture and mm. getting back to that fighting and winning tradition, I'm more than willing to help. So. Well, and I'm sure you saw the viral video. Was it the D line coach that, mm-hmm. that you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of people had different takes on it, but I'm going that. That, that that's probably was every day back in the, the time frame. Well, yeah, I, hold on, let me say it this way. It was probably every day until the players were doing that themselves when the era yeah, were there. And so what happens is, is that that's that culture. That's, you know, mm. these are different kids. And so um, they, as as kind of an ongoing joke between me and some of my buddies, mm. yeah, yeah, these, these kids are built different. <laughs> and it's not necessarily a good thing. Right. And so... Right. You got to adjust as a, you know, like like the some of the kids that I coach. I'm like, Jesus. Like, yeah. when I was in college, you weren't even born. Mm. So, like, a lot of these kids don't even know about, like, September 11th. Right. <laughs> like, right. They have no clue. They're like, what is that? Right? So, I have to I have to perspective and realize it. Like, no, nah, they're just different. So, you know, you have to change your expectations as a coach. And then um, when, you know, and this is one thing that when we knew we were good, is that Coach Brown didn't have to set the standard. Like, he set the standard years ago, mm-hmm. and then we took it and took it to another level, and he just held us at that standard, you know? So, so yeah. Uh, it's like, it, he he met, he set the precedent, but we we set the standard, right? And what happened Held each was, other accountable, basically. We held each other accountable. So if someone got out of line or doing something that wasn't part of a... Uh, you know, that did not meet our expectations, we would collectively, like, put that guy in check. And that's one of the things is that, like, kind of, you know, kind of segue or kind of skip ahead a little bit. Sure. Like, the crazy thing is, is that our national championship team was not our most talented team. Mm. The team before, when we went to the Rose Bowl, when we played Michigan. With Michigan, yeah. That was the most talented team that we had, mm. but but that mindset and that grit that we we've we've we nurtured and molded the you, you know it was the year after we like we it had really, this yeah it really it really gelled and we were like yeah you can't stop us no mm. one can right? no one could. So, um but yeah so shameless plug definitely check out uh. <laughs> Oh five Longhorn Network. Yeah, it <laughs> is a great documentary. Um, so let's 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 back up because I also want to get to you know, like I said, you played ten years in the league, played at Texas. Since being retired, like you wore, seems like you wear so many hats. Whether it's real estate, finance, education, coaching, an entrepreneur, the music industry, all those things. So I want to get to all that in this conversation. Mm-hmm. But let's let's kind of go back to the beginning. You're a Dallas mm-hmm. native, correct? Mm-hmm. And uh, played your high school ball, Carter Cowboys. 
Um, yeah. Tell us about that. Tell us about kind of just a, a quick synopsis of your upbringing, your high school ball, uh, uh, just before we kind of get into to you being recruited to the University of Texas. Yeah, so at the end of the day, Dallas, Texas native um, from Oak Cliff, southwest part of Oak Cliff. That's my um, hood. I know that <laughs> hey, yeah, I know that song. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me, but, um, you know, I grew up, you know, um, uh, average house, uh, household income. Mm. Uh, mom and dad, both both uh, prominent in my life. Mm. Um, you, know, you know, I was lucky to where I was full. I was fully rounded, right? Yeah. So, like, I got to see both sides of the tracks, right? Okay. You know, um, one side of the family. Um, Educators, you know, scholars. No one let no one in the, no one on that side of the family with uh, 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 credentials less than a master's. Mm. All right, and then I had on the other side of the family, you know, you know, street life. Mm. Just leave it that. All right. Yeah. So yeah. why do I say that? <clears throat> um, I understood perspective. I understand human nature. I understand you know, the human spirit. Um, and one thing that was common between everybody is just that, you know, the, you know, compassion for others. Right. Mm. And so with that compassion, you know, I got a lot of compassion for my family, um, you know, encouraging me, you know, literally etching into my, in my, my mind and my brain, that like whatever you put your mind to, you can do it. Mm. Um, and it became, uh, you know, uh, uh, it became very keystone or um, or paramount in my in my in my yeah. life. And so, um, with that, you know, um, I remember my my mom wanted me to go to a, a arts and magnet school because mm. I, I mean I was pretty I was pretty smart, right? Sure. <clears throat> yeah. And but I was like, hmm. No, um, but I want to play football, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you hear the stories about Carter High School. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you, hear, you hear the echoes of these people going to the NFL. Right. And I'm like, man, I want to be a part of that, right? Or, mm. You know, and so uh, I had to make a deal with my mom. I had to do some negotiating at an early <laughs> age. I said, look, all right, mom, I tell you what. I promise that I'll stay on the honor roll my entire time there um, if you let me go play, go go to Carter High School. Mm. So she's like, all right, cool. I'm going to hold you to it. <clears throat> Needless to say, I graduated six in my class. Let me ask you this. So there's mm-hmm. a statistic. Only 2% of high school athletes go on to play at the Division One level. Now, obviously, you weren't just a part of that 2%. I mean, you went to go on and play at the highest of the highest level, so that, that percentage for you was even a smaller margin. But just go, just talking the transition from growing up to Division One athlete, was there a moment in time, whether it was peewee, middle school, high school, on the field, off the field, where you had that moment of validation where you knew, okay, I'm in that 2%. Like, anything yeah. like that? <clears throat> Yeah, so I'm gonna tell you this. Like, um, me and my business partner, we kind of joke about this. Like, 
You don't ever want me to come in and speak about business because business highest taught is this, then this, then this, then this, then this, right? Mm, mm-hmm. Well, for me, I didn't know about my 2% until after I knew about my less than 1%. Now, what mm. do I mean by that, right? Okay. I knew I was going to go to the NFL when I was in middle school. Mm. I didn't have a clue about college. I didn't even think about college. Mm. Like college was not even on my mind, right? Because this is how my transition, it went from A to J to Mm. B to E to D to F. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it it went all over the place, right? Yeah. So, um, So for me, I knew that I was going to play in the NFL. Because I just made my, it's all about manifestation, um, you know. So even at that age, you were thinking that way about manifesting? Because that's, that's. Yeah, no, nah, I didn't consciously know I manifested it, but I just, it was in my heart at that point, And I just knew I was. I got yeah. you. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like, um, like, it wasn't a thought in my mind that I was like, oh, should I do this interview? Should I do this podcast? I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it. Right. Yeah, right. It's, you really have to think about it. So right. let me ask you then on this. This is good. So what do you think that came from? Was it just a natural inner, just something that was there? Or was maybe it so, a yeah. culmination of experiences that sort of developed yeah. this self-belief that you had? You know what? And this is this is the thing is that's why I, I, I've spoke on it. Not necessarily here on this platform. Yeah. But I speak about it a lot of times. It's, it's, it's energy, right? Mm. Right. And it's the energy that was trans, you know, energy is not, it cannot be created nor destroyed, but can be easily transferred from one object to the next. Right. Mm. It's the energy from my family, my family. It's that energy, it's that support system that's like, you can do whatever you want to. Right. Right. And if you kind of get real deep into it, it's like when you talk about mindset, it's your, it's your environment that leads to a certain exposure. That exposure creates a certain experience and that experience creates a certain expectation, mm. right? So with that being said, is that my environment is that I had a loving environment regardless of my financial, you know, financial awareness or anything like that. Like I had people that loved me. My environment was love, mm. right? That exposed me to being able to, to see, <clears throat> that exposed me to what happiness, what joy was, right? My experiences was that, you know, I can be able to have conversations and, and fruitful conversations with my mom, my, my dad, my sister, my brother, you know, cousins. And um, which led to me having a certain expectation of myself. Like I have, you know, knowing that I'm a high, you know, uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a person of you know, good moral compass. And so I've always transferred that energy into whatever I did and whatever I do. So... With that being said, that little morsel of thought that came from, you know, my dad and my mom saying you can do whatever you want or you can be whatever you want to be, that transferred and grew into what it is now. Um, it's all about the transfer of energy. What about when I hit that pothole that tries to throw me off course? Did you ever have any run-ins like that? Absolutely. So I let's into, yeah yeah yeah. So let's yeah, I definitely ran into. Plenty of potholes. Prime example. Yeah. All right. Faith is something that you know exists, but you can't see it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, what's a good example of that? 
the wind. Mm. You can't see the wind, but you know it exists when you see the trees move. Right. Right. And that's what faith is, is believing in something that you can't necessarily visually see, but you can feel it. You can smell it. Mm. You know, you can, sometimes you can taste it. Right. Yeah. And that's what happens is, is that I have this faith that I know that I'm going to go in NFL. And then all of a sudden, boom, I break my, I break my, I break my finger. Right. Or did you I, actually break your finger or did you, or oh, yeah, was yeah. it? Okay. Yeah, I broke, yeah, broke my finger. <laughs> uh, it's all jacked up. Like my stuff looks like Booger McFarlane. Like it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Booger. I, I know you don't know me perfectly. But anyway, so um, but um growing pains of playing offensive line. But anyway, or or defensive line. But um but um uh, uh, almost lost train of thought. Talking about faith. But faith. Faith um is you hit adversity, you'll say you break yeah. your finger. Yeah, so what happens is is that I've gone through so many different things and I always go back to faith. I know it exists because I felt it. I didn't see it, but I felt it. And I know it exists because all of these things manifest and happen. All, you know, all of a sudden you get a call. Right when you're at your lowest, something happens, boom. Your, your, your mom calls you and just says the right thing and you didn't even know it, right? Mm, mm-hmm. Or, you know, um, all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden you realize that, you know, you get you get this adversity, uh, you mess up your ankle, but during that journey of rehabilitating, you learn more about your body. And so now you know how to strengthen yourself. So guess what? Now I haven't had that in, you know that specific injury. I never had it again, mm. right? Whereas other people have may have had it, and you help them. And you you know you yeah you help, yeah you help them right. So what happens is is that you go through these things, and then what happens is is that you look at it instead of it being wins and losses, you you know it's like wins and learning experiences, right? right. So it is W's and L's, but the L's is learning. So you learn it's like dang. I'm pretty good at getting back up. <laughs> right, right. Like, like, dang, I'm like, shh, you know, like, I remember when I, the prime example, right, adversity, all right, um, my dad, so 2000, 2009, my dad passed away, mm. all right, now, rewind all the way back to middle school, played middle school, I finally got to play football. Middle school football broke my no not broke, but uh, played and my spirit got broke and I quit. Mm. My dad looked at me, so I, I was like, my mom was like, "If you want to quit, baby, it's fine. It's okay. It's okay." Right, just like you know, mother would be right. <laughs> and but my dad, I remember I was laying on the ground, dog tired, and my dad walked in the room and just looked at me. And he had this look like. Like total disappointment, and at that moment, that's when I felt so low. Mm. It was like, dang, I actually let him down, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And I remember, he said, "Son, if you quit now, you're gonna be quitting for the rest of your life." Mm. And I was like, "Damn!" <laughs> right? It hit me hard. Like, mm. 
Like I would prefer to have cardiac arrest and hear, hear that come from my dad. And I mean that yeah. wholeheartedly. Absolutely. No, unintended. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so now fast forward back to now I'm in the NFL. My dad passes away. I remember um, I was with Buffalo and we had to play, you know, had to go to my dad's funeral. And I had to go to the funeral and I remember the interim head coach. I won't speak his name, but you can you can you can Google, Google it. it. <laughs> so this guy had because Dick Jerome was cool. I love Dick Jerome. Yeah, Dick Jerome, yeah. great guy, right? And this guy had the he had no compassion and wanted me to come back and was more concerned about me coming back. So we had to play Jacksonville in Jacksonville. Versus, because I needed, he wanted, you know, he needed me to be starting, mm-hmm. you know, I planned, uh, starting to tackle. And so he was more concerned about his precious football game than me losing my father. Mm. So I was just like in this, you know, rocking hard place, right? So my mom, you know, had definitely different conversations. So I decided to go back. And so I, after my dad's funeral, literally, the dirt ain't even settled in the ground. I go back to no, I fly straight to Jacksonville. Okay. Jacksonville. Have this game. Um, so we warming up, right? You know how you warm up, you know, you have your pregame stuff and then you go back in and then you come back out and play the game. Yeah. So we did the pregame warm up, come back in, and then I just literally just had a mental mental breakdown. Mm. I just started crying. Next thing you know, I was taking off my tape from my gloves. I said, I quit. I ain't playing no more. Like, I was about to quit football forever, right? And this is faith right here. And when I didn't I didn't know it, I couldn't see it, but I knew it existed. All of a sudden, I heard a distinct voice, son, never quit. Mm. And this is, I'm like, I'm looking around like, I heard it. Right. And and that's the crazy thing about faith is when faith appears and shows when when you least expect it. Mm-hmm. And so my whole thing is, is that, that when faith faith reappeared and guess what? I ended up paying what it was six more years. God, that's that I got goosebumps. That's that's it. <laughs> right. And you know what everything you were just saying reminds me of? Not that you know, maybe we are taking them to church here for a few minutes, but it takes me back to a scripture, Galatians 6, 9, uh, mm-hmm. don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season you shall reap a harvest and don't grow weary in well-doing being don't grow weary in your faith for when you least expect it or in due season, you'll reap a harvest. And I tell people all the time, like my interpretation of that, that harvest isn't yeah. just money like we sometimes right, right. associate it with. I've always said yeah. it's it, it can be. And I'll gladly accept it if that's what the Lord wants to do. But sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's moments. And then sometimes it's something spiritual that like you can't even explain. It's an encounter that you have. And, and I'm, I got chills right now. Like that, 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 that story touched me. And then it took, takes me back to, to that, to that verse. Mm -hmm. I really want to touch on this though, like getting kind of in, into your, into your high school years and then we'll just keep flowing like we did. But yeah. You were one of you were a part of the very first Army All American teams, correct? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, be, and before you talk about that, I want to set the stage for people who may not realize this. And, and first off, before I even get into this, if you're listening right now or watching, wherever you're at in life, remember what, what Jay Scott just said. Like, first off, look back at what you've already rebounded from in your life and remind yourself that you're pretty good at getting up from things and then don't lose faith. Um, that's just like that. That I, I want to say that whoever, if you're driving right now, you're on the treadmill, uh, you're just sitting in a room, whatever you're doing, listening or watching this, just remember, don't lose faith. Due season, it's coming. But back to the Army All-American. That thing, the whole high school All-American just scene has turned into, I mean, it's blown up now today in, in, in 2022. I mean, there's the Under Armour All-American. There's still the Army All-American. There's like so many different avenues for that. And it's the top talent. But this was... I mean, a huge deal. This was a national high school All-American team. Um, you're playing Carter Cowboys. You get invited to be a part of the first ever Army All-American. I mean, that game has sustained itself for the last 22 years. It gets mm -hmm. broadcasted on national TV. Uh, you don't even have to have like a cable box for it. I mean, you, it's, it's on local TV. It is a huge deal going on 22 years, and you were one of the originals. Tell me about yeah. that. You know, it's crazy. Uh, I remember um, the representatives that came there. You can tell they 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 were they were passionate about it, but I do that their pockets was very thin and very short, and so they's like, look, we got this idea. This is what we're doing. It's gonna be great. We want you. Yeah, like it's gonna be the best. Yeah, and it wasn't even called or it wasn't called Army, you know, Army All American. Okay, it was. It was. Uh, it was like. It was like Rick's Cabaret, something. I don't remember what it was called, but it was not. It was something else. It was definitely something. It was not Army Navy uh, or Army uh, All American. But but I can definitely say this. They, you know, I can't remember those gentlemen's names, but they definitely reached out to the to the top guys. And uh, uh, some of the, you know, it's crazy. Like you know, Cedric Benson, like. Mm. He turned it down because I mean, shoot, he just got finished winning another state championship. Third, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he was on he was on Mount Mount Everest. Oh when, yeah, yeah. He was on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> but um, but I remember Kevin Jones. Um, oh yeah, Virginia Tech, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I just had, yeah, I just had a brief conversation with him. He just got his um, uh, master's in architecture. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So wow. He's doing good. He's doing, yeah, yeah. He's doing some things with uh, his alma mater. Um, but long story short, but like it was so many different. Um, I'm like, man, so many different people. Um, uh, what's what's my man who's on the podcast with uh, uh, Brandon Marshall, um, the linebacker, used to play for the Broncos. Crowder, no, uh, oh. Vaughn. Von... Oh God! What's it called? I am athlete. It wasn't right. Von Miller or Von Miller. Uh, he played with me. And he actually played with me. He played DJ. Oh uh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. DJ Williams. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, he 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 was on there. <laughs> um, who else? Oh my God! Uh, it's so many. I have it listed, but but to the point. Um, it was a cool experience seeing like 
Like, dang, y'all want me to be on this national, all-American thing? And I'm like, okay, cool. So, you know, at the time, I'm like, you know, thinking now with NIL and stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, you're not claiming it. But but, uh, it was cool because um, it's, you know, you never necessarily, you probably don't, you know, biblically, you don't want to necessarily seek approval from people. Mm. You know, however, it was it was it was pretty satisfying to know that like people recognize you as a talent Absolutely. on a national level, right? Yes. And so, um, yeah, it was cool. And then I just remember, I remember the practices because that was the funny part. It was the it, when I talk about the arrogance and the testosterone when everybody from all over the country is trying to say like no i'm that dude like oh my god oh man i remember it was the line i think it was dj was talking noise to to kevin jones okay and kevin was just quiet say nothing he was just and kevin went off like <laughs> Kevin was running folks over, spin moving, shaking folks, breaking ankles. And yeah, because I remember, oh yeah, De La Salle, De La Salle, we the know, we yeah. the truth. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was, I was like, man, every day before practice, you know, as we busting from the hotels to the practice field, it was so much to this. And I was just mm. like, oh, somebody about to, it's about to be a fight. Like, every day. And it was Texas versus Cali. It's, oh, I bet, yeah. You know, East Coast versus West Coast. You know, Florida, like, oh, it was. I was like, man, you know what? I'm just, I'm gonna just be cool and just chill and just do, just sit right over here and be quiet. Did that experience, <laughs> though? I mean, it had to have. Did that help, kind of, with the transition from high school to the University of Texas? Oh yeah, so competition. Yeah, like yeah, it was definitely it was different. It was a different tier of competition. Yes, yeah. Because it's like it's kind of like I always make this reference. It's like, all right, so everybody's like, what's the competition? Like, what's the difference when you transition from one, right? One, um, you know, one level to the next. So if you go from high school to college, high school to college, it's like, it's like it's faster. And it's like playing your high school rival mm. every week, mm. right? Then when you transition from college to pro, it's like, I say, it's like playing OU every week, mm. right? Well, the tougher, tougher part is, is that not only it's like playing OU every week, everybody's an All-American. Right. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> everybody. Literally. And so now you have to find that secret sauce, that Tom Brady secret sauce. Right. Like now you got to get into the mental aspect. Mm. Right. And so now there's got to be a, you know, a, a deep dive into understanding all the facets outside of the physical aspect right. of football. And then, I mean, kind of segue, that's when I learned how to watch film is looking, you know, working with like Troy Palomalu. Mm. Like, dude, I'm like, dude, he, he looking film totally different. Because I never was taught how to watch film. Right. It, it was just, all right, see what kind of defense they run, and that's it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, yeah, but when I watched film with Troy, 
I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, like he, he watched it totally different. So, so it's like you truly had to become a student of the game. I mean, oh, no question. Like to use that um, cliche. Yeah, and the crazy thing, it's not. It's so true. It's like I always make this reference. It's like uh, football is life, but life is not necessarily football. Mm. Right. Um, mm. And what I mean by that is that every single thing that I've learned in football, I can actually apply it to life. Mm. Everything. Pick something. You can pick any topic. Yeah. <laughs> Business, <laughs> finance, whatever. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah, like it doesn't matter. Business, boom. NFL, that is a business. It's a multi-billion-dollar business, mm-hmm. right? Pick something else. It doesn't matter, right? And so, what happens is that that kind of gets that um, that that understanding of the game. Like I know for a, I, this is one thing I can say with the utmost confidence. As long as I learn the skill set. I can run any company. That, I can run any company. Any mm. company. I don't care if it's. Uh, uh, I challenged <laughs> was a Jamie Dimon at, at J.P. Morgan. I can oh. run that too. Like yeah. I learned, I learned the, all the nuances. Oh, I can run that. Right. I know what it takes to build a team. I know how to build. I know how to be able to help uh, uh, cultivate a culture or, and create a culture that's winning. Uh, I know how to draw. I know how to pull out the best in individuals. Um, uh, I know how to train. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like you say, kind of in the coaching networks, where like a good coach could coach anything, right? Because because the X's and O's, you you can learn that if you've got the intangible abilities to lead and move people and unite people towards a common goal, like you can coach anything. It's kind of like that movie. Uh, I know. I, I was just thinking that. Like the Apple TV. No. Oh, oh okay. No, oh. I was thinking the one where, oh, the uh, the the football coach goes to coach soccer. Um, oh, uh, Ted Lasso? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Lasso. But anyways, go ahead. But I was ahead. thinking like Ratatouille. Like okay. the whole thing was everybody can cook. Anybody can cook. Okay. Right? Yes. Yeah, like it starts with a – first it starts with a passion. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's just understanding the skill set. Like, I got to think, the first <laughs> – my first encounter with playing football, I quit. <laughs> right. Like, right. I like, quit. And I was like, ooh, that's too hard. That's too tough. Like, <laughs> right. That was my first adversity. I came out the gates getting knocked down. <laughs> mm, I, I, so, I, me and too. I made it to the NFL, so. Well, so let's <laughs> – let's, let's, kind of keep going here so we've already talked about some of these players but i want to like make sure to gel it all together the recruiting class that you came in with at texas benson cedric benson was in there i mean he's the texas high school legend uh like you already alluded to he won three straight i think he scored like five touchdowns in each of those games or something and that was a record that i think got broke by the alito uh the alito running back can't jonathan gray maybe i can't i might have messed his name up but but no, anyways, he was he was the man. Uh, Derek Johnson was he in your class? Yep. And then you, y'all were like the top, weren't y'all the top three that sort of ushered yeah. that group in? So, and hey, I'm gonna throw another name at you that I I uh, researched and noticed was a part of that class. See if you can verify or not. Okay. Was Kendall Bryles in that recruiting class? Man, yeah. <laughs> KB. Shout out yeah. KB. Yeah. Um, 
So, no, you know, but, you know yeah, go ahead. I was going to say this. I was like, you you kind of you kind of lightweight resemble KB kind of kind of KB swag. Just a little bit. Hey, I'll take it. Hey, so KB, if you ever hear this, you need to come get on this podcast because I am an Arkansas guy. Despite me yeah. uh, interviewing a Texas guy right now, I'm a mm-hmm. Razorback. But, nah, yeah. I, I followed well, KB from his time at Baylor to FAU. Now he's obviously in Fayetteville. We love I, I'm, I, We love. I mean, Arkansas fans are crazy, so it's very always – everything's yeah. polarized. But, like, shoot, I'd keep him for the next was, 20 years if we hey, could. Was the truth. Like, yeah. I remember when he played safety, like, he was on some Jason Seahorn. <laughs> okay. I don't know I got but yeah, he was yeah, nice. Yeah. Like, KB was nice. Yeah, I remember, uh, K, you know what? This is what I was like, okay. Like, it was different. Because, you know, I come from a, a historic, yeah, yeah. you know, predominantly black, predominantly black high school. Right. And when I saw KB, he was like, he was jamming to Outkast. <laughs> and he was like going, saying it word for word. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I was just like, okay, all right, KB, you, you know, and he was, yeah, he just like had, you know, he was cool. I like, he was swaggy. Okay, yeah. so I had to throw Kendall yeah. at you. I had to throw KB out there, and I and look, I know there were plenty of other talented players in that class, but then of course the 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 prime time that everyone, the name everyone knows, Vince Young. He was was he the next year? Uh, he was the next like right after you. Year. He didn't come in with you, did he? No, he did not. No. Okay, so he came in right after. after yeah. And after. y'all he, just. He left with me because I registered he didn't. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, so. and then I'm talking, y'all y'all went on a tear. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm going to say it this way. Y'all are the reason I don't like Texas football fans today. <laughs> because it's, yeah. it's, it's y'all's recruiting class and what y'all did on the field that now has Texas fans today acting like Dallas Cowboy fans, which I'm a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan, so I'll be the first one to admit it. But every time I talk to a Longhorn fan, guess what they tell me? Oh, this is going to be the year we win it all. This is going to be the year. Oh, okay. Let's see if you can get bowl eligible. But it's because of y'all's group that instilled this false confidence that these Longhorn fans walk around with. So I blame your group and your class because – Back-to-back Rose Bowls, national champion. I think there were three straight NFL drafts that y'all produced multiple first-round picks, not even including the other guys that were drafted who went on to have productive 10-year careers such as yourself. Like, that is mm-hmm. that that is insane. Yeah. And so you go on a run like that, and then, of course, it creates an expectation in a fan base, and now it's kind of become what it is now. I know you were already talking about that in the beginning, but yeah. – what was it like playing in Austin? Down on the, what they call it, the 40 acres. What what was that mm-hmm. like? Um, it was great. It mm-hmm. was absolutely great, man. Um, I think that's one one of, uh, I made some great, good decisions in my life, but that was one of the best decisions I made in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely zero regrets. Um, wouldn't change it for the world. Um, you know, it was cool because you know what it's it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to compare because mm-hmm. i never i never really experienced anything else like it why you know what it's kind of like this right um 
I don't regret it at all. But I never did take an official visit anywhere. Oh, really? Like, I got recruited from every university yeah. in the country. And I do mean every. Yeah. Florida, Florida State, Miami, Ohio State, Michigan, Oklahoma. Well, and let Michigan. me just, for people that are, you know, 16 yeah. years old right now, Florida and Florida State and Miami in the era he's talking oh, about, they were the equivalent to what Bama is now. So, like, let's let's <laughs> let's set that straight, okay? Absolutely. Steve Spurrier. Yes. Uh, Bowden. Yeah, oh, my God. Bowden, they was the they was juggernauts. Right? Mm-hmm. And in the crazy things for me was it's we were kind of like uh, so what made me go to Texas and I, I'll get into it, yeah so what made me to go to Texas was the simple fact that it just felt right mm. it was that simple it felt right mm. right everybody wasn't trying to hustle me because I knew I was like. Every country in the world wanted me. You know, every country, I mean, every, every country. No, I got you. Every, 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 every school. Every school in the country wanted me. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew everybody had some angle. And it was just the energy that I had in Texas was right. And guess what? I was right. Mm. <laughs> it came out with a W. Literally oh, yeah. finished with Ws. But with all that being said, to get back to your initial question, what was it like being on the acres? Um Every day was a good day. Mm. Like, because I can't remember the bad days. Right. I mm. really cannot remember the bad days other than when we lost to OU and we had to roll <laughs> as as punishment for losing to OU. Mm. But other than that, man, everything was a smile, a laugh, a joke, something you could, you could be like, man, remember that time? You know. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, I can have I do have one memorable moment that is kind of morbid, right? Okay. So, can I tell the story? Uh, come on, yes. Uh, yeah. Tell so, it. I want the so, full, uncut, uncensored. I want it all. Yeah. So I remember I was a freshman, right? So I graduated. Right, I won't tell that part, but I graduated from high school, of course, and then yeah. now I'm at Texas, right? Right. Context clues, right? So, <laughs> so I remember I was, I remember there's this practice that even though you redshirt, you still practice with everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. You're just not playing, right? In the right. game, right? So I remember we had, you know, horn drill. So it's literally you got one person on this side and they line up and, mm. Bah, mm. and you battle it out and, you know, you muscle it up, right? Yeah. So at this point, you know, um, you we got, oh man! So defensive line, you had Corey Redding. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, shoot, I mean, uh, so many different uh, different names, but you had these big dogs. You know, I'm absolutely, I am petrified to have to go against these dudes. Casey Hampton. Mm. You know, yes. Like, oh my God! Like these yes. guys strong. They actually got a picture of Casey Hampton picking a dude up with one arm. He played for AM and his feet were off the air. He picked up an office lineman. It's the craziest picture ever. You're like, how did he do that? And it's a perfect steal shot. If they do if they remove that picture out of Moncrief Newhouse and mm. at, 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 uh, at Texas, shame on you guys. Yes. Right. Shame <laughs> on you guys. That was the most intimidating picture 
Yeah, it is straight beast mode. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, so <laughs> I I remember that this whole process, we 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 I gotta go. I they gonna call my name out. They like, all right, Jonathan. Yeah. And they called out Corey Redding. Round, I'm like, oh God. I am scared out of my mind, right? Yeah. So I'm like Oh boy, I'm nervous, right? I'm still, uh, you know. Okay, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm scared. Ain't no, ain't no point. I'm scared, right? So at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of pee coming down my leg, right? Mm. And then so at this point, I'm lining up, line up on it, all right. And then he's like, then all of a sudden the whistle blows, and it's like a long whistle. We like, but. Practice can't be over. This is like, we only like 20 minutes into practice. Yeah. So, Coach Brown calls everybody up. And he's he's at a lot. Coach Brown's at a loss for words. Coach Brown being at a loss of words is like, yeah, what's going on? Coach Brown t- tells us someone has flown into the empire, into into the twin towers. Ah, uh, I believe our nation may be under attack. Mm. I don't have enough, I don't have a lot of information right now, but right now I need everyone to go to the facility, call family, connect with them. We'll figure out next steps. Mm. Yeah, nine mm. eleven. Yeah. So that's why I said it's kind of morbid. But like yeah. that's the probably the most memorable part. Like I, that because I was so scared yeah. about to go against Corey Redding. And then, all of a sudden, boom, there's something a little bit more important going on in the world. Oh, and I, I tell I would tell my students all the time, every year on nine eleven, like or anyone really, mm-hmm. if you were alive on that day. Anyone can tell you exactly, exactly. what was happening the right. moment they got the news. I was sitting yeah. in biology class. I remember like yeah. it was yesterday. They turned on the TV right as that second, anyways. But yeah, man, yeah. what a what a time! Yeah. And then, exactly. but to but, keep it, yeah, but yeah. But on a, on a positive note, man. Outside of that, every like this is one thing I can say. I'm not a fan of OTAs. Mm-hmm. No, no, OTAs ain't too bad. I'm not a fan of training camp. Mm. <laughs> but mm. I don't remember like not being like I don't remember not wanting to be at practice. Mm. At like every time it was literally it was offense versus defense. We're talking a lot of crap against each other. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, we're about to get y'all today. Yeah, we got this new play. I event, mm. yeah, event, show him, show him, you know, like yeah, do your yeah. thing, dog. Like, yeah. you know, it's he's like, oh, you know, you going against like Rod, right? He's like, oh yeah, you got me on that one. I got you on one on ones. Like it was that constant, you know, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, mm. iron sharpens iron, right? Mm. It was literally like us getting better, like you know, Tim Crowder, like uh, uh, Brian Brian Robinson, like yeah, like, like we were constantly battling. Brian Arakpo, like mm. it was a battle every practice. 
So mm. when we get to you get to college, you know, you get to playing OU, you're like, man, whatever. Yeah. Tommy Harris, man, you're all right. <laughs> you're all right. And I tell Tommy this to this day. Tommy really wanted to go to Texas, but OU paid him to go. I'm going to say it like that. Oh, yeah. man, I don't know. I don't know anyone that wouldn't believe that. I mean, I'm just saying. Not, not, not today. Oh, I mean, I'm just saying because Tommy stayed at my house. The the he stayed at my house. Um, he stayed at my house from um, after the the uh, what do you call it the, the All American game. He stayed oh, okay. at my house at my parents' house, and he told me. Yeah, you know what? Let's go to Texas. We're going to go to Texas. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, all right, Tommy Harris, John Scott, we both going, right? We're going to kill you. And then all of a sudden, I look at the paper. Tommy Harris commits to Oklahoma. Mm. Man, I called Tommy up. He ain't want to answer the phone. I was like, oh. So now when I see Tommy, I'm like, yeah, you really want to go to Texas. Remind him. Yeah. So I really he, got, he got him one, though, didn't he? Didn't he win? He got him one his freshman year, I think, or was he after yeah. right after that? I believe so. I'm not the I'm Bob not Stoops championship. I don't know. I know. I'd have to look. Yeah, I should I'm have that. Well, oh, um, yeah. I mean, I've been saying it since NIL. I was like, you know, NIL is just out in the open now. It's all it's been happening yeah, it's under the table. It's just you know yeah, we got a legal like, avenue for it, and, and yeah. we on our podcast we've been we're supportive of that. We're glad that the the players are getting. You know, yeah. we just there needs to be some regulation so it doesn't just completely become the wild wild west. But we'll see. Yeah, so. because what what happens is 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 not so much. What happens is <clears throat> where the snakes lie. We don't know mm. where the snakes are lying. Like mm. you know, you don't know where they are until you start cutting the grass, right? Right. <laughs> so um, that's what I'm more in, concerned about. So. Um, you know, just being taken advantage, you know, these young guys being. Taken oh, yeah, advantage. definitely for the kids. Yeah. Bring in regulations that protect the kids, not that are, you know, yeah, protecting the. Investors. the <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. OK, so we could kind of get into we've been kind of throughout this whole time. You've been hitting us with tidbits of of the NFL. So there's really two key things I want to talk about from your NFL career and then anything else within that that you you care to share but the first mm -hmm. thing is no i can't get to the nfl i i have to i have to go back for a second okay. you played in arguably the greatest college football game ever played like yeah. like and i say that with full conviction i would put the usc texas national championship game at the rose bowl up against any other game played in college football history. I mean, you we 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 just referenced 9-11, right? Like there's something about those types of moments. You know, that was a very, like you said, morbid. It was a very, very serious moment. But sports creates moments too, where as a fan, you remember exactly who you were with, exactly what you were doing when you were yeah. watching that game. Yeah. That yeah. Texas USC game, I remember the two guys I was watching it with. I mean, and this was what, 17, what are we, 15, 17? I mean, I don't remember how many years ago, but I mean, I vividly remember there's one other game. I, I, I think someone could throw at it, but, but, and probably more, but I'm saying that game was incredible. And I, I, I still stand by it. It's, it had to be one of the greatest college football games. When, when, you just, when you take everything into offense, you take in the star power, you take in the pageantry, you take in the location, you take in what was at stake 
and then how the game played played out. I mean, yeah, yeah. no, nah, it's a, speak about it. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I remember. <clears throat> this is one thing I, I kind of mentioned it on the actual documentary too. Yeah, is um, going into that week, we were we were polarized by how much like they didn't care about like they didn't like we were not relevant to the mystique of trojan football like we were we were chopped we were chopped liver y'all didn't have a chance we didn't have a chance and we were like have y'all not seen like what we doing over here like we (laughs) like we just murdered these guys in the Big Twelve Championship, like yep. murder, like come on, and when it was like that every every week, right? And so, and I remember, you know, to your point, the pageantry and the fanfare of like you seeing, you know, Snoop and Will Ferrell and all these McConaughey, you know, yeah, and like, what about us? Right? Oh yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, I yeah, remember, yeah. and so I remember. We were playing. No, I remember it was. Um, I think it was just me, Selvin Young, and Albert Hardy. We were just sitting. We were just sitting in the hotel room, like you know, relaxing between practices. Mm-hmm. And I remember we, like, it was a commercial or something, and we saw this commercial with like Reggie Bush and like they were red carpeting the event and. Like, it was like, damn, is this a Nike commercial? Like, what is this, right? And we all had this look on our face like, them mother, like, we was pissed. And with all that being said, we took that, we was like, yeah, we're going to take it all in. Yeah, and we're just going to show them what we're going to do. We show them what's up, right? And I remember going, like I said, going into that week of practice, when I say, out of all my entire football career, from middle school all the way to professional, when I say I've never been a part of a team where we had a perfect week of practice, mm-hmm. we had a perfect week of practice. That does not never happen. Mm-hmm. And um, like I mean, we were just on point. Yeah. Like no false starts, no holding, no penalties, no pass interference, no yeah. no no miss snaps. No, it was just like we was just on it, right? Like, and you can just tell it, like, everybody was just locked in, right? So, like, going into that game, we knew it was going to be a tough game, but we knew we were going to win, right? right? Um, And we just had faith in each Mm -hmm. other that, you know, guys were going to do their job, do your part, right? Whatever Mm -hmm. it takes, right? And it's funny, that whole whatever it takes – um, that was actually coined from like the 1990 or 91 Texas football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just, you know, took it to the next level. Ran with know? it, yeah. So, yeah, and so that was our whole thing, whatever it takes. And um, we just knew. We just knew. Like, nah, y'all embarrassing us. Y'all talking like we like we trash. We like, nah, we ain't having it. And so, I- yeah. From a fan's perspective, I just remember the hype leading into it, 
Texas didn't have a chance. But you just you felt like I can't wait for this game. And a lot of times as a fan, when there's that much hype going into a game, what happens? It ends up being a blowout or it ends up being like not living. I mean, I just can't think of a game that had that much hype, that much just power surrounding it that lived up to every bit of it. I mean, if anything, it exceeded it even with how the game finished. I mean, you know, it is crazy. It's like, so the game finished amazing, right? Yep. For me, my experience, and this is the crazy thing, is like, I I, um, I would love for you to get Kate, you know, get just get, you know, different people's perspective and like right. what was going on in their moment and just kind of create a whole collage of it. But for me, you know, as crazy as it sounds, you know, the most memorable part was, was that I got a chance to enjoy that moment and my dad, me and my dad had a cigar. Mm. And so when I saw Joe Burrow, when you smoking that cigar, yeah. I was like, bro, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly how you feel. Mm. And so um, that was one of those cool, that was the coolest moment because I just remember it so vividly. Smoking a cigar inside a hotel mm. in Beverly Hills and nobody said nothing. I was like, oh, I'm on top of the world. <laughs> I'm on top of the world drinking 12 year old scotch. Cohiba. I was like, I was like, at that moment, that's when I felt like a man. Cause my dad was accepting me and he was super proud. So I didn't go out and party or nothing. I just smoked a cigar with my dad and that's it. I mean, it's like, do you even need to follow that up with a party? Yeah. And then the next day, I I, I get ready to start training for the, the, the combine. Well, let's talk about that. So getting into your NFL career, um, the first thing I I said, two things. The first thing is your draft experience. Um, Drafted in the fifth round by the Detroit Lions. That would have been a day three pick. So what was your expectation and what kind of were your thoughts, emotions, or was it kind of like, it kind of happened exactly how you thought it was going to happen or did things go a little bit differently? I just love hearing people who have had the privilege, which it's a very small percentage of having their name called in the NFL draft. What mm. was that experience like? What, what, yes. the who, what, when, why, all of it? Um, so uh, to be honest, I now appreciate it 100%. At the time, I felt... You know, this is my emotional feeling. Mm-hmm. I felt disrespected, right? Mm. Uh, you know, back then it was just two days. Yeah, it was just two days. Was it two? Okay, two yeah, days. It was like first, second, and third round was the first day. Yeah, and, and then they else. did the rest day two. Yeah. Got yeah. you. And so, um, so, uh, you know, we had a little party at my house. I felt embarrassed. You know, you know, I was told that I was going to go like, like second round, right? Okay. I, pour, I tore my pec training going into it, and so I did like horrendous. And so I, I got bullied or peer pressured into performing at the combine, and I shouldn't have, uh, right? Yeah. So uh, I only like rep like maybe like 15 on bench, but I, I tore my pec, but then once I got it better, I did it at Texas, 
like 26. Right. And they just kind of like just said, yeah. Nah. We, yeah, we, this whatever this we, number we, from the we, combine. Yeah, so we'll we'll just, we'll get we'll get them for cheap. That's the business part. Of it. Uh, I understand it. Like, we'll get them for cheap, right? So, um, um, so I get the call, right? And I had you know, and you know, I had my you know, I definitely um, you know. You know, had a apology with God, <laughs> but I was not grateful. I'm gonna right? say so in, in day two, yeah, was, you're, you're pissed off, basically. I'm pissed off. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely pissed off. Yeah, but you know, and so I did. I showed I showed a lack of gratitude at mm. that moment. So I uh, see this number three one three number pop up, mm-hmm. and it was Matt Millen. Oh yeah, Matt yeah. Millen with Detroit, you know, Detroit Lions. And he's like, yeah, you know, something to the extent, not verbatim, but something to the extent like, hey, man, we want you to come here. We think you're a great player. And I'm thinking, like, this was the last team I thought that was going to pick me because when I had my interview at the Combine, I thought they freaking hated me. Ah. I thought they hated me. <laughs> like, I thought I bombed that, that interview. <laughs> they loved it. I was like, oh, okay. okay. Right? <laughs> So I called um, a mentor of mine that played in the league, and he actually Carter graduate. Okay, uh, Greg Hill. I said, you know, he played at Detroit. He's like, man, I know you're probably disappointed, but man, this is probably the best opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. And so he he's giving me some some courage, not courage, but some insight of just like, man, take heed of this moment, man. You look at the roster, blah blah blah. Right. All right, cool. So I was like, all right, cool. I go into it with a positive, positive mindset, right? So I go there, you know, um, I'm just still trying to get over the fact, man, I'm in Detroit. Like, who cares? Like, the Lions, like, love, right? <laughs> and with all that being said, you know, despite, you know, the uh, lack of winning at that, at the, there, uh, it, it was one of the most pivotal points of my career mm. one we talk about adversity i broke my hip my rookie year Oof. it's the exact same it's the exact same injury that ended bo jackson's career i was just wondering wow yeah it's the exact same exact same injury like to the t wow. they were like it was like medical science it's like oh my god this is exactly the same one like broke the same way everything so in my mind, I'm like done. One year, one and done. Yeah. So I, guess, I guess I did make it to the NFL, right? But I was like, no, nah, I want more, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, some different, you know, and this is definitely something that I'm gonna be putting into a new book, but like some um, some very uh, life threatening things happened to me mm-hmm. uh, when I was at Detroit. Changed my whole perspective on what I needed to be doing. Mm. Long story short, I ended up playing nine more years. Wow. So, um, but it was one of those moments that like me getting drafted in the fifth round with, uh, getting drafted in the fifth round with with those guys was the best thing that happened to me because it actually grew me. Yeah. It actually grew me. Yeah. So, so. So two years Detroit, two years Buffalo. Talked about 
some you know experience in Buffalo. Then you get to Pittsburgh, and that's yeah. that's when, at least from a wins losses standpoint, things oh yeah it turned around. Things <laughs> really turned around, yeah. and then you're there with Coach Tomlin. Um, yeah. I guess he he was. You know, he's a few years in, already had a Super Bowl under his belt, but he's still a young dude at that point, right? I mean, he's, he had to have been late 30s, maybe just yeah, sniffing 40 yeah. at that point. Um, but while you were there, you actually not only got to play in a Super Bowl, but you got to go play in a Super Bowl in your hometown, which was when mm -hmm. the game was hosted at Jerry World. So talk yeah. about kind of just that that Steelers experience and then whether it was with Mike Tomlin and then being able to play in a Super Bowl but not yeah. just Super Bowl but then it being in your hometown what what all that was like so um you know you get to whole, you get to talk about adversity right so the 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 game before or two weeks before in the AFC championship I broke my ribs oh. yeah and I have to I have to go and pat my back. Jason Taylor was the defensive end, you know, Pro Bowler, yeah. Hall of Famer. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. Shut him down. He didn't do that. Just wanna put that out there. And yeah, I said it. I said it. <laughs> the people out there, yeah, I said it. Yeah. Go look at the film. <laughs> so um film don't yeah, lie. So <clears throat> but um but the my whole purpose of saying that was that the adversity of breaking my you know, breaking my ribs and then going going to you know playing in the Super Bowl in Dallas, it was a freaking ice storm. I know, right? I remember. And so it was just like ah. But I remember they. I mean, it was crazy. They had my picture on the side of like mm. a fifteen story building, and like congratulations, home. Like I'm like, dang, right? Yeah. So I'm like, oh man, that's what's up. And then they they had it planned. They had um parade plan but it had got canceled because of the snow snow you know yeah. the ice storm <clears throat> but it was cool now you know going into it you know it was it was rather emotional because you know my dad wasn't you know my dad had already passed away um and so like i i just manifested this is about to be the best game of my life mm. like I, you know everybody like, oh you're nervous i'm like nah i'm about mm. to ball out and so and it actually was one of my best games in my entire career mm. um and um you know we didn't we didn't we didn't come out with the victory but at the end of the day um it, it was heck of an accomplishment absolutely um you know being able to play in my hometown uh, of course it's been better to win in my hometown sure but <laughs> um you know that's just a com competitor in me but i am grateful for the opportunity because not a lot of people get that you know, and it's just a, you kind of look back. It's like, one, you know, one I got to go to a big college, yep. got my degree, you know, honor roll, dean's list, all unanimous all American, mm. playing in the NFL. Like, and then on top of that, not only playing in the NFL, but go to a Super Bowl, mm. right? And so I was like, you know what? I'm very grateful for the opportunity because there's a lot of people that's in just that 1% of the 1% that right. don't even get to go to Do a that. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, mm. but it was, it was, it was cool. Um, it was a very memorable moment. Um, um, 
as crazy as it sounds, right? It still didn't compare to the national championship, though. Mm. It was the national championship. It was personal. Oh, it was personal. Yeah. It was personal because it was like it was like someone slapped us in our face and spit in our face. Like we're not, uh, you know, Super Bowl is like we're rightfully so should be right and, and Green Bay rightfully so should be there. Let's prove it. Yeah, but this it was just like blatant disrespect. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Should Texas I, even be in this game? Do they? I mean, I remember yeah, all of they're, it. They're chance. Their line is their offensive line is soft. I'm like, literally, oh, their entire offensive line went to the NFL. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about here? <laughs> Come oh. on, stop. Anyway, uh, oh, but, um, yeah. So, last kind of NFL based question here: mm-hmm. Who would you say was? I don't know if I don't want to say who was your toughest matchup, but like. Who was who was a matchup that you had in the league that like really earned your respect? As far as players, James, I'm talking who? James Harrison. Ooh. James Harrison. Thank God I had to I practiced against him. But um, mm. um when I when that actually helped build my confidence because when James preferred to like go against me on one-on-ones. Because I gave him a bigger yeah, challenge, a right? fight, yeah, yeah, and so he, you know, he had respect for me, right? Mm. Um, and of course, respected him. His game is ridiculous, and his work ethic, work work ethic is yes, it's it's, it's insane, right? Yeah, it's all like Thor type stuff. <laughs> oh, stuff. I've. I've seen some of the clips too of like how much he invests into his body each year yeah, and just like. like yeah, and and you know I picked up a lot of stuff from him because um, you know some of the you know acupuncture, mm. um, chiropractic work like we use the exact same people and he he's like man yeah you need to come over here this is what I do mm. I'm like I'm doing what you're doing and you know what so I come back to your, your question no like no. <laughs> this is the one like people want to go here how do you do it how do you do it I have no clue. Mm. <laughs> That's that's the that's the secret sauce. I have no clue. I don't know how. This is what I did. I said if I want to be this, I'm gonna just keep looking at the person doing that. Mm. That's all I did. Mm. Like that's looked, powerful too. Yeah, like I don't know how. Like I didn't have any, you know, special, you know, skill set. You know, I just I mean I developed my skill set, but sure. Um, yeah, like, I, you know, I didn't have no trainers. I didn't have, you know, you know, Mike Tomlin in my back pocket to teach me how to, you know, none of that, right? right? So right. so what I did was I'm like, I want to be that. So I looked at who are the best at doing that. So, I, you know, I was a lineman. I was looking at, you know, Eric Williams, uh, Jonathan Ogden, Tony mm. Baselli, um, uh, Willie Rofe. I just looked at those guys, right? Mm. And then I said, "I'm just do what they do." All right, I like how he, I like how he did this. Uh, all right, I'm gonna just do that. That's it. Mm. <laughs> just name the person in front of me. And well, then that's... what happened is, is that as I'm going through my journey, someone sees like, "Oh, you got some skills. Let me hone it a little bit." Right. That's where all these different coaches and you know other players. 
Like, oh, this, yeah, do this. Oh, yeah, that worked. I like that. That's it. Man. But I think uh, yeah. what you just said, though, I feel like reflects something that you referenced earlier on this episode, which is like everything you just said is a life principle. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, and I, even in my personal life, I've, I've made some decisions here where I'm really taking some risks. But like, I think we, we limit ourselves as humans because we're too busy trying to figure it out instead of just doing it and putting ourselves around people who have either already done it or are doing it as well and just having faith that you're going to end up where you need to end up. And and without making it about me, because that's not what this show is about, but like I've made some big time decisions here lately and I don't know how it's all going to play out. But what I know is that I'm just getting around people that are doing where I'm trying to go. And as I'm continuing to get around them or what's crazy is I'll just randomly reconnect with someone from years ago and be like, Hey, what are you doing now? Oh, I'm doing. Oh. And then all of a sudden, boom, a relationship or an alignment is formed. And so I think that's so powerful because I think if more people would just believe in themselves and believe in whatever that is in their heart that, that they believe their purpose to do, instead of trying to figure it all out, what the nuts and bolts, what the X's and O's, what's the, well, what about when this happens? What about when that happens? You know, you could do the same thing with a podcast. Well, what about this and monetizing this and doing that and getting people, just do it. Just take the first step and then go find some people that are doing it, get around them and watch what happens. So I I feel Mm -hmm. like that's very powerful. Something Mm -hmm. that you used in your playing career that I'd be willing to bet is now happening in your post-playing career, which is what I'd love for you to get into now about transitioning from football into this world where it's like there's literally nothing you don't do i'm sitting here looking like the music industry a writer (laughs) written a book and writing a book um entrepreneurship finance financial uh advising like how do you wear all these hats like just talk about everything you got going and then also this is where you can do all the shameless plugging that you (laughs) you need and want to do and i'll make sure we get all the links put up and everything like that yeah, yeah, no. Um, okay, so what's the first question? <laughs> I was just so, gonna say transitioning from the NFL into like, well, I yeah, guess so, if you have anything on that transition, talk about that, and then get into what you're actually doing. What's the last part you said? I said, and, and then get into what you're actually doing. Okay, yeah. All right. So, yeah. So what happened? So for me, like, this kind of prefaces the whole thing. He's, my dad used to always say, um, I just want to know, like, like my mom is important in my life as well. So I, I mentioned my dad a lot, but my dad was like, like, like heavily present in my football career, like heavily. Mm-hmm. Like he came to my practices. So, mm-hmm. so, um, um, so one of the things that, that really kind of stood out to me when I was, going into the NFL is that my dad said, son, when you make your little money, incorporate yourself. Mm. Like, Damn, what do you mean? Right? And so he's like, you know, my dad after, you know, my dad actually played in the NFL too, but when he retired, he, you know, he, you know, he working a corporate job and he hated it. Right? Mm. He absolutely hated it. That's why he loved like, <laughs> Ditching, ditching work and coming to practice and watching me practice. Right. Like, he hated his job, right? I mean, he worked for like um, 
Boeing. You know, mm. He was like a project manager for Boeing. Um, so uh, with all that being said, you know, he was just kind of, he was like lightly setting the foundation of um, entrepreneurship, right? Because mm. um, at the end of the day, I mean, Sam Walton is an entrepreneur, but we don't see him like that. Like, right. He came up with an idea, providing goods and services for people, and now look at it. Look at Walmart. So my whole thing is, why well, I can't do that? I did it in football. I just followed that guy and did it. It worked. <laughs> so yeah. ain't no different. You know, life, you know, football is life, but life is not necessarily football, right? Mm. Um, um, but anyway, so what happened is, is that, you know, I have all these skill sets. So it was just, it's this quote, um, and I know I'm butchering it, but, you know, there's that misconception of like, you know, jack of all trades, you know, but master of none. But it is really the the actual original saying to it, and I know I'm butchering it, but it's like the jack of all trades is better than being a master of none. Mm. All right. So, um, so with that being said, it's like yes, like I have these different skill sets, but like I'm multifaceted. Like you look at a you look at a diamond, you look at you know it has different facets. So it shines light in different directions and, and it creates brilliance. And mm. so my whole thing is, is that I look at myself as a diamond or a multifaceted jewel, you know? And mm. so I let in positive, I let in good light, good light. I'm a refract out good light. And mm. so my whole thing is, is that I have different things that I, you know, you know, that I embark in, but again, football, like, I'm not the quarterback and the receiver. I'm just the offensive lineman. Or if I'm just a coach. But a coach knows how to get their offensive lineman, get their running back, get their quarterback, get their receiver, get their offensive coordinator. You know, they know how to build a yeah. team. So it's the same thing with this. Like with, with the book, I'm like, I'm not a marketing person. Like I know what I don't know. <laughs> right. 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 And so like that's not my thing, right? I know it's like I know what to – inspect what I expect, but that doesn't necessarily make me a, like, um, authority in it. Right. Right. But, but with that being said, um, like how I got into real estate, it's money. It's something that's going to always, is going to always increase in value. Right. It may take more time, but it's going to, it's, it's a finite amount of it. Yeah. And so what happens is, is that as I'm going through my whole journey, like I fell into coaching because Coach Tomlin was saying you need to be a coach. Mm. I'm like, what? I'm thinking like, why? <laughs> right? Because he's like, you you know you have influence, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, what? Mm. <laughs> and so, and when I re- recognize what my purpose is, I use teaching and business to educate people. Mm. Right? And at the, at the end of the day, it's like. Uh, my whole point, my whole, my whole purpose is to plant seeds. It's not for me to grow it. It's not for me to harvest it. It's just mm-hmm. to plant, plant, right? And then they ask the right question. Then I, upon my myself and just my compassion, it's like, oh, let me give you some sunshine. Let me give you a little nutrients. Mm. But if I give you some, like, if I say I give you some, I give you some million dollar game, and you don't take it, that's okay. Yeah. 
Oh, it's not going to hurt my feelings because I did my I did my job. Mm. Just like an offensive lineman. Look, I I you know, I blocked that three technique. He dropped the ball. And yeah. ain't nothing I can do about it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, it is what it is. So, it's kind of that same thing. That's how I got into business because I wanted to incorporate myself. I want to have sustainability and um, which got into, you know, just kind of led into this book that you know, I co-wrote is, you know, just a winning playbook. Winning playbook. Uh, being able to be in the driver's seat mm. of your own financial, you know, your, your own financial journey, right? And mm. so many different components that go into it. It ain't just making money. Right. You know, one of the biggest things we talk about is it's not how much money you make, it's how much money you keep. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, everyone talks about keep making money, making money, making money. But if you keep money and and redistribute that money to where it makes more money than what you're, you know, as a breadwinner, next thing you know, your pot of money becomes the breadwinner instead of you, the individual. Because like you know, most NFL players is like you got to go out there on that field. Right. You're the breadwinner and get the check. Mm-hmm. But now, if you had like a hundred thousand dollars, instead of giving forty thousand dollars of it to the IRS, right? What if you put a hundred thousand dollars and let the hundred thousand dollars make money? Mm-hmm. Now, you can live off that hundred thousand dollars, and guess what? The breadwinner is the hundred thousand dollars instead of you going on the field and having to break your neck. Right. But we, I get into all that. Um, and like it I said, sounds man, like you're practically coaching people on how to actually get their money working for them instead exactly, of working for their money. Exactly. Because you got to think if this was a spectrum for uh, average individual starting their job at 25 and retiring at 70, mm. this is a span of an NFL guy. Right. That's how much they make. So if you spread that out over, you know, your typical 40 year career. Right. The same amount of money. So, yeah. but guess what? Things now you can be able, so if you can be able to allow your money to, to, to compound over a shorter, with a larger amount over a shorter period of time. So when you're done playing football, that you're now, your money yeah. is the breadwinner. So guess what? You can still live a lifestyle of, yeah, you can, you can go buy that Mercedes. Right. Yeah, you can go get that, you know, piece of jewelry. Yeah, you know, you got a seven, you got a ten thousand dollar budget every every month. And anything you decide is like to want to do after is like icing on yeah. the cake, basically. It's like icing on the cake. And guess what? Now you're learning, you're growing your skill set. Now you can be able to step into different arenas to where now, like, hey, now I'm getting into banking. Right now, I can use lines of credit. Instead of using my money, I use someone else's money. They charge me three percent, but I'm making fifteen over here. Right. So the 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 arbitrage is all profit. Mm. Pay back the loan. Guess what? Now I got a bigger asset, and now I can get a bigger line of credit. Mm. And you just rinse, wash, and repeat. It's called mm. infinite infinite banking, right? So now, if you look, so my whole thing is is that I keep saying the same thing, right? I look at the people in front of me, right? I, I look at the, how Jerry Jones moves. I ain't talking yeah. about the Cowboys. I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the money, 
his, the business, <laughs> like his business. He bought a piece of land not too far from where I live, sat on it, flipped it, put it into something else, and next thing you know, banks say, hey, you can leverage my asset. Now my asset is worth $300 million. Well, you know what? We'll give you a $100 million line of credit. Oh, great. I just need that $100 million. I'm going to take that over here. I'm going to flip that and turn that into $500 million. And then and I'm going to make you this, back your money. And- yeah, and then I'm going to pay you back your money. And I got a discounted rate. But I'm giving you 3%. I'm making 10%. Mm. I just made 7% on my money. Mm. And guess what? I never use my money. <laughs> and guess what? I still own my project. I still own my assets. Yeah, like, do you really think a billionaire likes to use their own money? Nope. Nope. Like, look at that AT&T Stadium. Like, I would I would put on my soul. <laughs> There's no way in the world that Jerry Jones paid full freight for that stadium. Mm. Yeah, because I can tell you this. The income to, and like I said, I can get deep into it. But mm. think about this. It's like, <clears throat> it's the city of Arlington that has to take that, yeah. take a big chunk of that. All right, you get you know the population of you know I don't know two hundred thousand three hundred thousand people increasing their taxes one percent that pays that pays that pays for that pays for that, that stadium to be there. Right? Yeah, say that that handles at least a huge chunk of it. Chunk of it, right? And then on top of that, he's got thirty years to pay it off. Trust me, he's probably made he he's probably made his money back by now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so he's just slow playing it out. Why yeah, would I get it? It's kind of like I just recently, you know, I just recently bought a a vehicle, and I got zero percent down, zero percent financing. Why would I give him my whole? Why would I give him all the money right now? Mm. Like yeah. no, I'm just giving it to you every every month. Yeah, yeah, and that whole time, the, the instead of that money sitting in your bank account, I'm gonna put it over here. And let it make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put it in, you know, get in, you know, educate yourself on crypto and all those different things. Like, get into it. Learn it. Yeah. Do you have any resources like that that if someone listening wanted to dive deeper into it, like that you are part of? Obviously, your book. Is it out now? Like, they can go? Uh, you can pre-order it now. They can okay. pre-order it on Amazon. Uh, uh Amazon, uh, Barnes and Nobles. It's a bunch of different links. But if you're watching on YouTube, I'll put them all. The links, if you're watching right now, are all in the description. It's literally yourwinningplaybook.com. Your winning playbook. Yeah, yourwinningplaybook.com. Yeah, your yeah yourwinningplaybook.com. You can go on there. All the information, speaking engagements, anything. uh, To buy the book. Whatever, brief synopsis, a little video here and there. It's mm. got everything. It's real simple. You can look at, you know, it's uh, mobile friendly. Uh, it's pretty much the nucleus of um, everything. So. And how can people connect with you if they wanted to just? Yeah, so you can go in, uh, on there too. Is that okay. inquiries and stuff like that? So. Boom! You shoot a shoot an email. Contact us. And we'll get right to you. We have whole team to be able. I mean, yeah, uh, we got a whole team. I got a whole team that are yeah. professionals who are experts at it. But it's it's really that simple. Going to your your winning playbook. Go to contact. Boom. 
uh, you'll notify us and uh, whatever, you know, speaking engages, TED Talks, whatever, you know. Whatever it is. So is yeah. that a best bet than like trying to find you on social media, just going straight, yourwinningplaybook.com and using That's that probably, as a wins? Probably, it's probably the best because of my okay. time availability. I know, um, I, uh, you know, yeah, that's the best way to get at me. Yeah, no. <laughs> I just make sure people know if you're listening or you're watching your winning playbook. If you want to, uh, or if you just want to send them some love from this episode, man, hit them up. Okay, go to yourwinningplaybook.com. Yeah, just get the, make sure what they say to get the the algorithm up. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know up. what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Um, okay, well, uh, anything else? I mean, that's I mean. This episode was just straight fire. A lot of golden nuggets, a lot of great content. Um, I'm encouraging everyone, listen to this full thing. Obviously, if you're at this point, you did. But I'm going to be telling people, listen to it in segments if they need to. Get on that cardio bike, get on that treadmill, get in the weight room, on a long drive to work. This, this, You will definitely learn some things, hear some great stories. And uh, Jay Scott, I, I very much appreciate your time and your wisdom and just the depth of what you were willing to share and talk about on this. So, so much beyond football. And that's what our whole platform is meant to be about. It's yeah, we want to hear the stories. Yeah. We want to get behind the scenes on that stuff, but we want to hear who people are and, and, and how, how um, much their experience has impacted them to be able to impact others. And that's kind of what we're trying to build with the blue bloods podcast and uh, obviously, if you, you've been a listener, you know, check us out at collegegametime.com. Maybe you're listening to this because you're a fan of Jonathan Scott and you have no idea who we are. Go check us out at collegegametime.com. We put all kinds of content up, written, podcasts, videos, you name it. Uh, we're just building this thing from the ground up. So if there's nothing else, we'll see you all next time. Well, man, you know, Trey, I truly appreciate the time um, just allowing me to speak, you know, tell my story and give insight so again i you know i i manifest nothing but success and greatness mm. for you and what you got going on uh man uh, we've got connected through a, a spiritual leader so yes. in the spirit of that man you know best of best and the best of best college football i love march madness man i love college